Good morning, everybody, to those who I haven't personally greeted yet. <clears throat> it is a huge honor and privilege to be able to share the word um, with my family today. And uh, as Con said, we have had um, the awesome privilege over the last couple of weeks of going through the, a series unpacking the community called Antioch. And um, every single week, I love, Con always says, why Antioch? Because that's probably the question that's in all of our hearts at some point. Why do we keep going back there? Why that community? Why all these things? And um, it's not about the place, although even today the place is really significant. Um, but it's really what the Lord cultivated in this community that um, is so valuable to who we are as the church that is not something just to aspire to be like, but we need to realize that what we see in Antioch is actually who the Lord has called us to be as sons and daughters, what He's called the church to actually look like. And um, we've been unpacking it from a whole lot of different angles, and today um, I really want to unpack something that's really close to my heart, and that's the, and you can title um, everything as this, Luke, you just a lifestyle of worship. Um, something that is profound about uh, Antioch as a community was their rhythm of life, the way that they devoted themselves to the presence of the Lord and to ministering to Him. So, um, you know, Barnabas comes to this community, and last week, Khan spoke about how he saw the grace of God upon them. And um, that stirs something in my heart. What was it that he saw that, that the grace of God was actually something almost tangible, something that was visible to the eye that he could see upon a community? So in Acts 11, we see this description of the birth of the church in Antioch. But in um, chapter 13, we begin to see a window into the, the lifestyle, into the, the culture that was formed um, from that original birth. And it really comes out of, uh, we see it in verse 2 of chapter 13. You're welcome to turn there, but I'm just going to pull a few things um, a few things out. But it just simply says, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said. Very simple. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said. See, for the church in Antioch, worship and prayer was central to everything about who they were. It was central to everything that they did. They did not move apart from His presence. And the beautiful thing is that their, their desire for His presence, their devotion to ministering to Him, um, became it, they was, it was so valuable to them that it wasn't just a group of leaders that were doing this. You might think that way because verse 1 is actually an introduction to the leadership of the church. It gives us a couple of names and then it says, When they um, were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. But this is why it's so important to study our Bibles, to study the Word. When you actually study the text and you see the, the Greek behind it, the, what the theologians have pulled out is that the they that is being referred to here, is not just a group of leaders. It's not just a group of, of special, select, few, unique individuals that you know, decided, hey, we're going to be the ones who devote our lives to, to uh, ministering to the Lord and to fasting and to listening to His voice. When it says they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, it is talking about the entire community. The entire church of Antioch had devoted themselves to the presence of the Lord and to ministering to Him. It was so valuable to them that sure, it might have started with leaders. It might have started like in Acts 11, how it just said, some of them began preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. But what happened is that their extreme value for His presence was so wild. Their pursuit of Jesus was so next level that an entire community of believers got caught up in the rhythm of ministering to Jesus. 
I like picture this whirlwind of his presence when they met together. And it was like, if you even came close, you just got caught up in that lifestyle. There was like no way that you could just kind of test the waters in Antioch. I think it was like, you didn't have a choice. If you were near, you just got sucked into the rhythm, right? And uh, because they positioned themselves in his presence, because they devoted themselves in simplicity to that one thing, it says the Holy Spirit said, there were a people that positioned themselves to be governed and led by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the reason they were able to do that is simply because they pursued Jesus. That was their highest priority, their, their only, the, the thing that they valued the most as a people. And really the picture that I want us to catch, like this week reading it, uh, reading it all over again and and just pulling out some of these things is that we, we can't look at Antioch as just a handful of special people that caught something. In fact, we have to understand that what the text is talking about is a whole community. It's an entire people, an entire congregation, young and old, children, everybody. It's not just the adult service that where things got wild, you know. It's the whole community of believers that were caught up in the culture of ministering to Jesus. It wasn't just leadership or, or select individuals. An entire community, I'm going to say that again, an entire community was caught up in ministering to Jesus. That should, these are the, these are the questions that were stirring in my heart. When we, when we think about our families, how, um, just using myself as an example, as a man of the house, how am I leading my family, my wife, the way that we see um, Antioch? where it wasn't just one person in the family. It was the whole families coming together to worship him. They made his presence the priority of their lives. The, the sacrifice, the price that they were willing to pay to go after Jesus marked their entire family. So we see children, women, men, husbands, entire families coming together to love him. And I think when you can see somebody that is in love with Jesus, that stirs something in your heart to want to follow. When something is like stale, when it just looks like religion, where it's like, you know, outward portrayal or something, but you can just feel something's kind of like off in the heart. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you're not tasting and seeing that the Lord is good out of somebody's life. But I believe that their sincerity in pursuing the Lord um, was almost contagious in the sense that their holy pursuit of Him actually inspired others to, to follow, inspired others to go after the same thing. So how do we lead our families in that? Do, do our families see in us, and this isn't a pressure thing. I, I'm talking about being in love with Jesus, man. I'm not, I'm not talking about trying to be the best example in, in the lives of the people around you. I'm talking about just loving him. So I, I think, like, how, does, my, does my wife see that I pursue Jesus with everything? Does my pursuit of him and my desire to be a part of a community that loves Jesus inspire her to come with me? As families, I don't have any kids, but if you're raising kids right now, do your kids see that there's no price um, too great to go after His presence? Or are we teaching them that, you know, their routine cannot be disrupted by the priestly rhythm of life? They can't stay out late because they'll be tired at school the next day, so they have to stay at home. They've got a test tomorrow, so they can't come because that's got to, you know, take first place. I know that's quite a heavy thing, but like my, my desire is I want to see that as, as families, we're raising up people in the way of the Lord. Can you imagine? I, I didn't have this, so it's something that excites me for the future one day where a child is able to see the way that their parents love the Lord. 
where you grow up in a way where it doesn't matter what's happening in our lives, we know that we're going after His presence. We're there on the Wednesday nights. We're there in the early prayer mornings. We're there on the Sunday gatherings. Not to tick a box, but because we're after Him and because it's real. I want one day kids to be able to see the love that we have for the Lord because it's that that will make them never depart. But if they're taught that their lives, and it's not just for kids, this is for all of us, if if we're taught that um, our routines, our priorities, the things that we need to get done come first, then we haven't yet caught a full revelation of the worthiness of Jesus. See, when we read about Antioch devoting themselves to priestly ministry, we're not just talking about a, a Sunday gathering. We're talking about day by day, they met in the temple and each other's homes. His presence was everything to these people. And that's why Barnabas could look at that and see the grace of God on a community. I believe that that is one of the expressions of seeing the grace of God in a community. Is what you see is a people that have been awakened to their purpose for life, which is the presence of Jesus. Hear me, there is absolutely nothing else in this world that you will find purpose in. And if you're searching for it in your job, in in relationships, in your promotion, whatever it is, whatever is, you know, in your heart, in your mind right now, and you're trying to look for purpose in that thing, you will not find any satisfaction outside of the presence of Jesus. We need to get that. We need to get that so clear. That's not settling. That's not saying, hey, drop this because you have to do things this way. That's saying, come and see how wonderful he is. Come and see that there is nothing else in this world that will ever satisfy your heart like Jesus. To see the grace of God in a community. Barnabas didn't just see the gospel being preached. Though that was one of the things he saw, absolutely. People getting saved left, right, and center. But it says that the hand of the Lord was upon them. What is that? His presence and His power. See, Jesus was like physically evident and present in and upon this community. And that makes me hungry. That makes me hungry for something. The gospel was being preached. And what Barnabas saw was a people who were awakened to their destiny which had nothing to do with their gifting, their responsibilities, and all these other things. It had everything to do with Jesus and His presence. I'm talking about the real deal. I'm not talking about just attending something. I'm talking about encountering the one true living God. Don't settle for anything less than that. What we just experienced now this morning, that's not just songs. Sometimes we go places and I don't even know what we're doing, but I can feel Him. And that's all that matters. Take the pressure off of understanding everything and just love Him. Understanding will come. Understanding will follow. So yeah, I believe to see the grace of God upon a community is to see a community devoted to His presence. It's to see a people that know that they have found the reason that they're alive in the presence of Jesus and only in the presence of Jesus. I think that danger creeps in when that kind of lifestyle, that kind of pursuit, that understanding is not central to who we are as a church. Do you know that what makes us the church is the presence of Jesus? If He's not here, we're not the church. We're the church because of Jesus, because of His presence in our midst. And when 
I felt this in my, in my heart this week, that where, where we don't go after presence, where there is no presence, we create room for performance. In other words, when we're not making Him our main pursuit, we give room to have to pick things up, to have to make sure we, we get it right, to make sure that we have to put on a good show, to make sure that everybody's happy and all these things. And what happens is we start doing stuff in our own strength, and it's, it's, it's gross, really. <laughs> it's just gross. It doesn't change and transform our own lives or other people's lives. We need the presence of Jesus. What amazes me about the community of Antioch is that we don't have um, these long, detailed lists of, you know, the, the different gifted individuals in the community. They, the, all the things that they did, the great works that they did, the influence that they have, their strengths and all these things. We have a name of some leaders and then it's like, okay, moving swiftly, moving swiftly along, they were worshiping and they were praying. The whole emphasis of the community is on the presence of Jesus. And what rocks me is that for such a long time um, in the church globally, there's been so much emphasis on finding your assignment, finding your gifting. What is it that you're called to? What is it that you need to be doing? What is the purpose in your life? That we miss His presence in the midst of it all. You know, we can read something like Antioch and, and the lives of, say, uh, Paul and Barnabas can really jump out at us because it's like, it's impressive, you know, that they had these leadership things on their lives and, and the church was just exploding, people getting saved and, oh, wow, just what gifted individuals and all these things. But I read it and I'm learning, like the Lord is showing me, like the emphasis is not about that. Not at all. Not at all. It's crazy that even though we have such beautiful access to His presence for so long, I think the church has been on this pursuit of trying to figure out why I'm, why I'm alive. Trying to figure out where I fit into this whole thing. Where even just attending church becomes difficult for some people because you don't see where you belong. And what you're really saying is you don't see what you have to contribute to this. And that's, that's not okay. That's not how we're, we're called to think. There's purpose in His presence. So there's all these books and courses and seminars and conferences that you can go to and figure out, you know, your gifting. Figure out your, your, uh, your calling, your assignment, what it is that you're passionate about. But I promise you, you can have the answer to that. And without Jesus, you will feel just as empty and just as unsatisfied. Gifts are a beautiful thing. Can I just say that? I'm not trying to smash people's um, assignments and giftings and things like that. But I'm trying to say that that's not the point. That if the reason that we're in church is to figure out who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be able to give, where my influence is going to be, where my gifting is going to be able to operate, where I'm going to be able to serve, we've got everything backwards. It's from the overflow of His presence that the gift that He's given every single one of us will begin to serve a community unto the glory of Jesus. Where we'll get to a point where because we're satisfied in Him and in Him alone, it is irrelevant whether I get opportunity to do something or not. It is irrelevant whether I get to be the one that people see holding a microphone, sweeping a floor, whatever it is, having influence, having leadership, it doesn't matter. Anything that you could possibly do in the church is irrelevant outside of His presence. 
And the longer that we keep desiring after those things as the point, we think that that's where we need to grow to. That's what we need to, I've reached the mark of maturity when Connor trusts me to, to carry something in the church. I've reached the mark when I get to lead a serve team, when I get to do this, when I get to be the one having coffees with these people and giving them the, the scripture for the week. And it's backwards, I promise you. All of those things are so good. And, and let me just say, there's so much work to be done. There's a mission, there's an assignment. The gifts are important and needed. But it's everything at best is secondary to the presence of Jesus. At best it comes second. And you can say, well, what about, why do we have, you know, we, we do have a lot of people in the Bible where we have these very detailed, um, you know, windows into their lives and all of the things that they did and the, their giftings and their strengths. Thinking about like David and Paul and many of the kings um, of Israel um, but I think, again, when we look at it through the lens of how I can be like that or what I'm supposed to do or how can I be like David or all these things, we often just see what they did and we miss the heart behind everything. Where God himself, you all know this about David, said, I found a man who is after my own heart. So see, David was an extremely highly gifted individual. He was a worshiper. He played instruments really, really well. He was an incredible leader, brought incredible reforms to Israel where he brought the presence of the Lord back as the very thing that they were living for. But all of those things were secondary to the fact that his heart was after God. And you can see in the pattern of his life that he was not after leadership. He was not after influence. He was not after uh, portraying and showing his gifting. What he was after was the presence of the Lord. And he was hard after that, that he got an entire nation, an entire nation. Can you imagine that? Like we sometimes struggle to rally 20 people. He got an entire nation to come and just behold the ark of the Lord. We're just going to gather around his presence. We have guys like Paul. Why do we see these? I believe Paul is like a beautiful picture of, of the mercy of God where we see windows into these people's lives because it's like you get to see that he went from murderer to church planter. You know, somebody whose life was completely flipped upside down by the power of the gospel. That's not to elevate Paul. That's to show the Lord's heart for every single people who come, uh, person who comes to know him. And even Paul, despite his incredible list of accomplishments and churches that he planted and people's lives that were impacted, all those things are so beautiful. But we know in Philippians 3, he says, all these things I count as loss, I count as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And it's really important that knowing in the Greek is not just an intellectual knowing. It's not I know of Jesus, I know about Jesus. It's an experiential knowing. He's describing like an, an intimacy between him and the Lord. That was the most valuable thing to him. And because of that, he could be trusted to carry influence. He could be trusted that the Lord would do incredible things in and through his life because his heart was fully given to ministering to Jesus. <laughs> There's a, a, I find it quite a, a beautiful but a funny story in uh, 2 Chronicles 15. <laughs> One of the kings of Judah, his name is King Asa. And he kind of reminds me of like if David had an aggression problem. <laughs> he, uh, he is one of the good kings who brings reform to, to Israel. And he tears down 
uh, all the, the idols and the false gods. And he, and he brings the presence of the Lord back into the center of the community. And um, what really rocks me is he makes, with the whole nation, they, he gets them all together to make a covenant that they will pursue the presence of the Lord. And actually uses the word um, to pursue him with their whole desire. It's really wild. The only thing is that whoever didn't do it, he killed. So that, that wasn't that good. <laughs> so be careful. Listen, we, we're going after his presence. Um, but I, I love it because it's like he, he was so zealous. He was like, listen, we're going after this. Like there's no room to not go after this, you know. Um, and the beautiful thing is even in the old, uh, it's in the old covenant, but it literally says they sought the Lord with their whole desire and he was found by them. That's what it says in Second Chronicles 15. An entire nation found the Lord because they set their desire to pursuing him. Just like that. Just like that. So what I want to say, I don't know how much time, two minutes, I'm landing. <laughs> um, gifting will sell, but presence will cost us everything. We can always find ways to impress, to do things well, to tick a lot of boxes, and they're all good things. But His presence will cost us everything. And I love, Con says it a lot, it'll cost until it doesn't. Because when you actually encounter the presence of Jesus, I, I don't know if there is any price not worth um, paying to have more of Him. I, I just really don't. Times like this morning, also like getting emotional thinking about the amount of times that we've encountered the Lord in this room where both in incredible seasons and in very low valleys, I've met Jesus in this room. And uh, I would be absolutely nowhere without the presence of the Lord. The reason why I felt to, um, you know, talk about almost like this contrast of going after things like assignments and gifting and da-da-da versus His presence is that it's something that really... Um, means a lot to me because it's something that I've journeyed, still am journeying, but something that I've went through quite extensively where I know what it feels like to lose sight of pursuing Jesus only and rather making what you feel like you're called to, your assignment, your gifting, whatever it is, as the, the goal, as the unto of everything that you're doing. And it is a horrible, horrible road to walk on. I promise you that. It's very difficult to trust people. It's very difficult to feel like your family because before you know it, it's like a competition mindset actually creeps in where you need to get the opportunity. You need to be the one who's maturing the fastest, whatever that means. So you're unable to celebrate one another. You're unable to go deep with family because in your heart, you need to aspire to be better than everybody else. And what set me free, what changed my life, was revelation of Jesus. Just His presence. It's like He restored purpose in my life. Oh, sorry. And I really believe that along with all of that is one of the reasons, not the only one, but one of the reasons that the Lord can, can trust me to hold a microphone is because I actually don't want to. That's not what I'm after. 
I'm not interested in having influence over community. I hold that with reverence. It's an honor and a privilege to have that, but it's not the goal and the purpose of my life. I'm not trying to find purpose in the different seasons of my life. I've found it, and his name is Jesus. The Father is seeking worshipers. I'm going to end with this. The Father is seeking worshipers. Jesus said that in John chapter 4. Antioch responded to the Lord's desire. I've had this question a lot. Um, We've spoken about it in home groups. Sometimes people go, this is a good question, by the way, because we say it a lot. What does it actually mean to minister to the Lord? What do we mean when we say that? Um, To minister, it's good to know what words mean. To minister actually means to tend to the needs of someone or to tend to the desires of someone. So listen carefully to this. If the Father is seeking worshipers, then pursuing His presence is ministering to His desire. So when you come into a place of worship, which is more than just songs, it's an expression of our lives, giving everything to Jesus. You are actually ministering to the desires of the heart of the Father. And Jesus said He's seeking worshipers who will worship. So you are a worshiper, but you need to act upon that. Actually pursue Him. Actually love Him. Actually give Him everything. And in that, there's this beautiful exchange where you're satisfying the the desires of the heart of God. I mean, come on, that is just crazy. But at the same time, He's filling you with His love. He's filling you with purpose. He's filling you with His dream, with His love, His desires. And there is no greater joy. There is no more beautiful place to be than to find yourself wrapped up in the beauty of Jesus where nothing else matters except for that. And let me just, last thing, I'm sorry. The... The, the extra beautiful thing, the cherry on top, is that you're not designed to do anything that I just said on your own. What we are talking about here, what we see in Antioch, what we see is the, the Lord's model for what He's called us to as people of His presence to pursue Him, is that we do so in a corporate environment. Absolutely in the secret place as well. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm excited to see a community... Um, And I believe the Lord's doing it, but to see an entire community, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, fully given to the presence of the Lord, where you wouldn't miss an opportunity to gather with family for anything because he's that precious to you. Not because you're obligated or because you're ticking a box, but because his presence becomes that valuable to us. He's seeking worshipers, and that's who we are in him. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We love you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you that you've invited us, Lord, to to run, to come boldly, to enter in, Lord. God, this morning I pray that fresh revelation would hit every single one of our hearts to the beauty of who you are, that we would see you, Lord. Lord, that even in this moment that you would captivate every heart afresh, that you would restore purpose to every heart in Jesus' name. Lord, that that purpose for life would be found right now in your presence. And would you seal that, Lord? 
God, I thank you that as a church, as a house, as a family, we would never again question why we're alive. We would never again be confused as to the different seasons that we find ourselves in, but that we would be steadfast because we have found an anchoring in your presence. Lord, I just release that upon every life this morning. God, I thank you for 24-7 church. I thank you that you are building us into a dwelling place for your glory. Not just a place where you visit or where we visit, but Lord, a place where you dwell and we can dwell with you. Lord, you're doing that and we give you glory. I thank you for this incredible season, this incredible time that you've brought us through. And for this new season that you are releasing us into, Lord. Keep us in your grace, Holy Spirit. Keep us in your anointing. Keep us in your presence. Lord, let everything about who we are be a beautiful fragrance unto you. Let our lives, Lord, be marked by the simplicity of just loving you. Loving you wildly. Yeah, I just release grace to love the Lord wildly. Like someone needed permission today to be wild for Jesus. He's wildly in love with you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for this house and all that you're doing. We bless you. We love you. We give you all the praise and honor and glory. And we count it such a joy to be your church and to be the family of God. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.